This is about something that lights your fire when nothing else will. This is the Mark Devine Show. This show, we're going to discover and dive in and discuss what makes the world's most inspirational, compassionate, and resilient leaders so courageous. Transform the nature and functioning of our own brain for the better. Go put your virtues in action. Be the best version of yourself. Life is a practice. Day by day, and get wiser and stronger and grow. How do you understand enough about your own mind and psychology and emotions and how you develop a reflective awareness practice to actually get in the driver's seat of your own mind? We go in-depth with people from all walks of life, martial arts grandmasters, meditative monks, CEOs, military leaders, stoic philosophers, proud survivors, and more. Every episode turns our guests' grants into actionable insights that you can learn from and lead a life filled with compassion and courage. I started putting all these little tools in my pocket, started to reflect a lot and meditate. There has to be a balance between movement and rest. It all starts with us. We cultivate these qualities in ourselves. We become a beacon of life for others in the world. Please join us on the journey. The Mark Divine Show. Hoo-yah. Well, in this show, we'll talk a little about the trials and tribulations of my vehicle having situation. <laughs> Some There's range a problem anxiety with it. and a plug-in hybrid. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk all things Porsche and all the old school days and the real story behind Newman. And, uh, and Robert, Redford. Robert Redford and the Porsche, crushed Porsche, and that whole story that was told in my doc with George Valerio. First, there's Geico. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Yeah, get it on. Got the on. Get on. Welcome to CarCast, Matt Crowell. That's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Hello. There. How are you? Flustered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you'll notice my phone is in here because uh, I never bring my phone in I the know. studio. Because uh, it would go off. And then I would look at it. And yeah. then I couldn't give my full attention to the audience. But today I brought it in because I got to send a text to the guy over at Galpin Ford Saying uh, Lincoln's dead again. Lincoln's dead. So there was some tr- car trouble with the Lincoln, the Aviator hybrid, mm-hmm. which we thought was just the regular battery, the 12 volt battery, the accessory battery, not the powertrain battery. Right. So there's a, it can plug in. It can get well, 22 miles sort of mm-hmm. max on the plug-ins, somewhere between like 19 and 22, maybe 22, 23 is probably the highest I've seen it. I'm also it's also kind of curious but somebody would have an answer. You know, sometimes you you plug it in overnight on the on the 240 and you come down and it's 19 and sometimes you come down and it's 23, you know. But either way, it, it's kind of a I would just call it a tank extender. Yeah. If 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 somebody and we talked about it off the air, if somebody could get to 50, that's a little bit of a game changer because yeah. I live 
you know, nine miles, 11 miles from here. It, the the 19 is not going to get it there and back kind of thing. Yeah. If you could get me to 50, I could get there and back on just and go home and plug it in. And, and it's weird how the plug-in hybrids, I don't know why, they're all sort of coming in around this like 18 to 20, 22-mile range. You know, Porsche Cayenne, new Range Rover, you know, the Aviator. I, I'm not sure why the larger SUVs couldn't have maybe just a little bit larger battery, uh, maybe just a packaging issue, or maybe we're all just sort of satisfied with 19 miles of range. But I, I, I am I am not know, because – I wouldn't be, but, you know – I mean, you know, it, was, it was interesting to try. It's not enough to get from Malibu to here. But what they're it, trying to do is say, hey, if your Lincoln Aviator has 400 miles of range, mm-hmm. the gas engine version, hypothetically, is 19 miles per gallon, and the hybrid version averages out to 21 miles per gallon. So the overall mm-hmm. MPG and cost is a little bit lower for you. If you're plugging it in and taking advantage of the battery, which you've been doing for some time now. So, I, I, you know, and when it shifts sort of on and off, you know, when it needs a battery and when it doesn't need the battery and gives you some of the range or then, yeah, because it, it's not, it's not 10% of the range because that has almost like a 400 mile range or close to it. So if it gave you 10%, if it gave you 40 miles of range, then that's that's an interesting number, but eh, twenty miles is a little less interesting. So, I was talking with uh, Alistair from Edmunds dot com, going, "When are we going to maybe see a forty, fifty, sixty mile plug in hybrid range, or mm-hmm. when are we going to start to see the larger luxury SUVs go pure EV?" And he said, "Other than the Rivian that he's been." that he drove recently, the Rivian SUV, which also still has about a year waiting list. Yeah, I've not even seen the Rivian SUV. I've yeah, just seen and it, the truck. It's, it's cool. There's and, a Rivian truck that's up on Bring a Trailer, yeah. by the way. I yeah, know, there's, there's like a few. A, it was like at 100 grand. A few popping up. Now, we, we had this discussion when you get into EVs, and we can get into this at, at, a, at a later time, but he was saying that it's not an incredibly efficient vehicle. It's big, it's heavy, it has a massive battery, and when it, they got like something like 317 miles of range, which is on average with most cars, but the the amount of battery required to get that range mm-hmm. is almost double like a like a Tesla Model 3. Mm-hmm. So whereas if you're driving your Tesla, you may plug it in a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. The Rivian you kind of top off every night because it's a big battery and to get that much range you have to top it off. So if you're going to even just the fast charger in in the shopping mall or out here you know, at Century City or Third Street Promenade, you, you know, you plug in your Tesla and you get 20 miles of range at dinner. You don't get that with the Rivian. It takes a lot more power to charge that battery. So he was just saying that ah, it's not range anxiety. It's plug-in anxiety. It's you got to top it off more than usual because it takes more power off the grid to bring that battery up to the same amount of miles. So it's just kind of an interesting 
Yeah. Thing. Efficiency is what we're going to be starting to look at when it comes to these battery charging. Yeah, you know, we're 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 right there, but we're not quite there yet. And I always say yeah. my next car is going to be electric, but um, it, it, I want it, an SUV. It, it's probably still going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're going to start trickling out over a year time mm-hmm. and and probably come more available in two years. You might be looking at... Because I think you leased your Lincoln for like a 24-month lease. You might be looking at something else mm-hmm. for another two-year lease. And then, and then you'll, be, you'll have more options when it comes to a full EV. All right. Well, <laughs> let's see if I can put myself in a better mood by talking Porsches. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. have a uh, guest today, George Valerio. George is uh, all about the Porsches. So... When we did the doc about uh, Newman and uh, Redford was telling the story about finding an old crushed Porsche to send over to Newman's house and put it in his foyer, um, he's the guy who procured it. But he's also a guy who's uh, got a 917. He's also a guy who's been racing a 906 every year in Monterey first uh since the first year the historic we got to get into this story because um we were chatting a little bit uh off the air and he was telling me about being there with uh, dan gurney and gurney offering some advice on on how to take some of the turns at that place and how to make that car go fast really yeah so uh some some very interesting stuff there well he's just pulling up to the microphone so uh Good to see you, George. Nice to see you. Um, do you still have the 917? No. Oh. If I had the 917, I wouldn't even be talking to you. I'd be fishing <laughs> yeah. or, playing, or playing golf. What is? Uh, what was the livery on the 917? It was brand new. I purchased it in parts from the factory. It was the last 917 that the factory had in parts. What year was that? September of 74. And you say in parts, so chassis, body, engine, it just you literally just got everything in parts? I, according to the legal paperwork, what I bought from pack, the factory was 1917K, chassis number 917036, complete less engine and transmission, shipped freight prepaid to San Francisco uh, via Pan American Airways. And uh, Dick Reventlow... Sure. Lance Reventlow's brother. Mm-hmm. Scarab saw, of Scarab fame. Yes. Saw me at the first vintage car race in Monterey with my 906. Mm-hmm. And I had a little tiny for sale sign on the windshield because you're not supposed to advertise. And he says, what are you, why are you selling the 906? I said, I want to get a 917 that I can drive on the street. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, he says, I just bought my RSR from Frau Bear. I'll give you her phone number because they have a 917K, which is the coupe, and then a 917PA, which was the Spider, the open car. Mm-hmm. Brand new. So he says, I just saw it there two months ago. So I got home from the races on Monday. The 917 Spiders, the Can-Am yeah, version? Well, they, they called them the PA. Right. Uh, I'll call it TA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. So uh, I – arranged to buy the car and at that time Porsche was going through a huge management problem and it seems like they fired all of the higher echelon people Frau Bear who was the racing parts department uh, parts person to talk to uh, 
we made the deal with her and I over the phone and through paperwork. And they took and put all the parts inside of a box and took it to Pan American Airways and flew it to San Francisco. And that's where I picked it up. The flat 12? No, it had no engine, no trans. Well, it was missing nine pages of parts that they were supposed to supply. Uh huh. So and did you put it all together and make yes. a street version of it? Uh, I I drove it on the street. <laughs> How did you end up sourcing the engine and stuff? Where did that come from? Uh, the engine I bought <laughs> from. Yeah, yeah. He, he went online. The <laughs> engine I bought through Alwyn at uh, Andile and okay. uh, Randy Townsend, uh, Bruce Jenner and Randy Townsend used to sure. race together. Trans Am, probably. Yep. And then I bought the car from him. When he had wrecked, no, Willie Cowson in Europe wrecked a 917 uh, Can-Am car with a 5.4 engine in it. And I bought that 5.4 engine from him, which was 660 horsepower. And I can remember that. It was a, just a huge cube and, you know, 24 spark plugs. I mean, just a very complicated engine. Did you try to street it? I mean, I, I you know, the thing would have had brake lights and headlights and uh, turn signals, I guess. Spare tire, a horn, a tool kit. Yes, it had all the safety illegal equipment. The horn was off of a Honda motorcycle. Really? And, and you could hear it more inside the car than sure. you could outside the car. Wow. And how long did you hang on to that car? I had it for uh, five years. I had to go through a process of getting the parts from Porsche. I had to sue the factory in order to win, and I got the parts because the factory had called Pollock and Stoddard and Peter Gregg and said, don't sell Mr. Valerio any parts because he's suing us. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was kind of a... Did did do you know what's if you kept track of the car? Oh yeah, yeah. I sold it to Frank Jarman in Rockford, Illinois, and the dealership was owned by a guy Morell. I don't remember his first name, but his wife's name was Diana or Deanna or something like that. You remember the kids' names? No, <laughs> no. But, but, probably not important. Yeah, but <laughs> did did um. So it's a 917, you know, highly coveted. And obviously, the ones with the race history, the ones with the Lamar history, the ones that, uh, you know, Steve McQueen used or the filming of Lamar, you know, they're you know, 25 million bucks. I, I don't know. I mean, if you got Lamar history and a 917 and a Gulf livery, it's uh, 40 million bucks. I don't know what it is. But yeah. this one. Never had race history. No, it it it, but it is in fact one of the last nine seventeens produced. Well, it was it was the last one made until uh, Carl Thompson from Vosik Polak, the parts manager there, found nine seventeen number thirty seven, just the frame and the body where the factory had taken the frame over and then had the body put on it, and then Carl had all of Vosik's parts which was monumental, and he right. assembled the car. So where uh, where's the car living today, and like, what form is it in? It's still in the 917K form, still has the same engine, and it now has Le Mans history. It, yeah, you tell me how that was done, but <laughs> it, it does. How and, does it have Le Mans? I mean, they're just saying it. Yeah, well, no, it, it has raced at Le Mans in the uh, – the vintage, vintage racing over there. Is it put in a livery or is it just painted no, a solid it was, cover? Uh, 
color. The last time I saw it, it was uh, bright white with number 36 on it. Hmm. It went from Rockford, Illinois to Tom Congleton in Kansas City, and then he moved to Arizona. And then it went to uh, a guy by the name of Rudy uh, from Mexico City, and then Jeff Lewis. So you've been following the car. Yeah, well, people call me all the time wanting to know if I, they can buy it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Just say yes what you, all the what, time. What do you yeah, think sure. that, yeah, you think that car is worth today, you know, 917 without history? It does history. have history. Well, well, classic yeah, law, just like numbers matching. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, but anyhow, I mean, uh, is that car five million bucks? Up ten million bucks? You think it's up? I saw a guy get offered twenty million for one, and he turned it down. But for one with history, yes. Yeah. Very what famous. do you think your car was worth? Oh yeah, I'm talking about your car. Sorry. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't I, have said five million bucks for you know a well, golf livery. Yeah, twenty years ago they offered me six hundred six point five million for it when I didn't own it. Oh, right. <laughs> and you should have every, taken it. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Should have taken that deal. Yeah, I, I paid way too much for it. I bought it for twelve grand. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, without an engine. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you yeah, still I, have I, the nine oh six? No. What What was the first year you? What was the first year of the historics? Seventy four. And you brought the 906 yeah. out there? Yeah. And what was it like uh, in 74? I mean, there's 100,000 plus people now. There's vendors. There's, I mean, I'm sure there's nothing. And a the, different the like. track. Slightly different. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was the old, configura- yeah. old configuration. Right. And and it's turn nine is a real SOB. You've got to <laughs> really know how to take it to get by somebody. Uh, it was gravel parking lot. My car was number 123. I think I was the last entrant, and it was mm-hmm. 150 bucks to race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I towed it down with a borrowed pickup truck and uh, a trailer that I borrowed from Dick Barber. They <laughs> charge you for it. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I knew Mr. Barber's reputation, but, you know, it had Krager mag wheels on the trailer, yeah. and it looked like it was made out of old bridge paint and bridge primer and, and bridge parts. <laughs> and we went down there, and uh, I, I ran it. And Gurney, and I, I don't remember who he was talking to, but they were talking how to take turn nine. And I had never been on the course before, so I didn't know turn nine from turn seven. So they said, Come into it as hot as you can, push all three pedals to the floor, put it in the lowest gear you got, pitch it sideways, jump the inside broom, brim, brim, and you'll just tag them on the inside because most of the other cars were big block Ford GT40s, a couple of Ferraris. Uh, uh, McCafferty, I think was his name. He had the Bruce McLaren's orange. Uh, Can-Am car? Can- no, it was the street car. Oh, and, yeah, uh, they made they made those. Yeah, for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, closed cockpit car, right? right. Yeah, looked similar to a GT40. Uh-oh. Yeah, it was kind of McLaren had a yeah. had a it's a, had a little kit car to yeah. it, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, when I was driving that thing, the, or when I was driving the 917, it was the biggest car you could possibly imagine. It just felt like it was huge. Now you put it up against a, like a 936 and, and all those new cars, and it's tiny. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting on the ground, sitting upright, 
your eyes are higher than you are when you're sitting in the 917. Mm -hmm. And I called it tunnel vision because the fenders were so high that you couldn't see the sides of you, but you could see directly in front. Mm -hmm. And the way you could tell how fast you were going is how much the fenders crushed down from the wind. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hobbs drove it at uh, Sears Point. I took it down to show Peter Gregg. He was interested in buying it. The 917. The 917. If I rattle on, it's just, you know. It's That's all interesting. I, well, of course, we know because of the docs for sure. I mean, we know Peter yeah. Gregg and, and Hobbs and, and all these, these names, Dick Barber, all these names from the past. So, Don't say the past. <laughs> I, I was there. Well, I, I would argue for Peter Gregg. Yes. Yeah. It probably has been the past for, yes. for a little while. Yeah. He's so, shortly so you, after that. Yeah. Uh, he killed himself. Yeah. So you're at Laguna Seca, one of the first events, 1974. You haven't been on the track before. You come in third. You, you overhear a conversation with Gurney on kind of how to, how to take, take a corner, and you fly your car through the, through the corner, yes. <laughs> basically catching air on the berm. Right. And, yeah. and I guess it worked out. Yeah, I got past the big block GT40 and the McLaren Coupe, and then I got right on the tail of a lime green uh, IROC car. And I can remember looking at the back of his car, dancing in front of me, and I thought, I rock, God. I rock 911 or I rock Camaro or? I rock 911. Yeah. And I uh, I can't remember the driver's name, but I thought, Jesus, he's going fast. <laughs> and then I thought, I'm on his tail. Yeah. What, what am I doing here? <laughs> so I followed him around, and the, the guy who won was Chris Allman, Amon, in, yeah, in a 512 Ferrari. Mm. And then there was the IROC, and then it was the 906. And 512. Was, wow. Yeah. Yeah, you see some out there yeah. now. They're, oh, they're, the best-looking cars in race trim. They just look fantastic. But yeah. the field that you were racing against is a cool field. To, to You know, just Porsches and Ferraris and McLaren. And, yes. Yeah. And, and there was open Ferraris. And <laughs> at the top of turn, well, it was 6 and 6A. So what is it now? The, the corkscrew. There was the Porsche group, and then next to that was the Ferrari group. And you could see all the flags from all the different people. And this Ferrari open car, I don't know, I don't know what model it was. Uh, I'm a Porsche guy. And I couldn't get by him. So I started flashing my lights, and all the Ferrari people were flipping me off, and all the <laughs> Porsche people were yelling and waving their flags. And I finally got around him, and then I was able to make up some time. Did you uh, so the story that was uh, chronicled in the, in the doc about uh, getting the Porsche and, and compressing it, cubing it up, and dropping it off at uh, Newman's Newman's house or Redford's house? Redford's like a, house. Redford's no, house. No, it, first it went to Newman's house. Right. Then it went to Redford's house. Uh, how did you get involved with that tale? Uh, uh, Redford called my parents' house. And luckily, I was there. My sister and my mom and I were just chatting. And the phone rang, and my sister picked it up. And uh, the guy says, is George Valerio there? And she goes, well, which one? And it's kind of silence for a second. He says, well, the Porsche guy. Oh, that's my brother. Can I tell him who's calling? And she, he goes, yeah, this is Bob, Bob Redford. So she handed me the phone, and then I saw her go, 
you know, <laughs> right. mouth in it. And I said, yeah. And so he asked me if he could, if he, if I knew of a rusted pile of junk Porsche that he could drop on Paul Newman's yard, and it was for a party of some sort. I don't know if it Newman's was. in Connecticut at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I have a good friend. Uh, um, Gary Fairbanks. He says, "Oh yeah." He says, "I know exactly where he lives." He says, "I got the perfect car, fifteen hundred bucks." Why did it have to be a Porsche? Because Paul Newman, I guess. <clears throat> did uh, what year was this? Tried to remember that. It's got to have been like seventy-one or two, somewhere around in there. Did uh, New- uh, Did Redford have a nine oh three, nine oh six? Damn, said it in the movie. Yeah, he said it in the movie, and so I'm sure he and. Newman had some sort of Porsche story. Oh, yeah, he had, a story. he had a 906, I think. I think it was a 906. If you show me a picture of a 906. You can see a Robert go. Redford Porsche yeah. 906. So, so he was familiar with Porsche yeah. uh, anyway. Yeah. So you get one. Is it crushed yet? No. It's a complete rusted hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never saw the car. Yeah, but there it is. my friend. Yeah. This is That's a 904. Re- Oh, damn it. 904. That's yeah. Redford's car. Yeah. yeah. I was going 906, 903. <laughs> 904. Stupid. Or 906 904. had the gullwing doors. Right. And it was the first real race car that Porsche made. Right. Yeah. Right. 904 was. Right. 904 kind of was. A street car right. upgraded. Right. And the Daytona or the Dinos just blew their doors and off. And that gave way to the 910, I guess, the yeah. 906. But go ahead. The, the 910 is. That's or the nine oh eight slash three, the flounder right, is the yeah. best one. Yeah. But I had four nine oh fours and three nine oh sixes and then the nine seventeen. I brokered a lot of the other cars. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I never owned them. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to the, then uh, I don't know what happened after I got Fairbanks in touch with Redford. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Gary said that he sold him the car for fifteen hundred bucks, and that he delivered the car at Paul Newman's house. <laughs> and then the next time I heard the story was when on Jay Leno, when uh, Paul Newman was talking about what he had done with the car. And so he had it crushed. Yes, he had it crushed. This and was then, the episode of Leno where they raced the go karts. Yes, in the back yeah, back right. holes, <laughs> right, right there. Yeah, so. It's kind of interesting getting the story. So it got dropped off as a sort of whole car. Yeah. And then it got crushed and then dr- so dropped right. off Redford again. Redford drops it off at Newman's yard as a joke, as a gag. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, here's your here's your crappy Porsche. Yeah. Happy right. birthday or whatever. Right. Here's a party. And then Newman grabs it, squishes it into a little block, somehow gets it into Redford's house. You were saying gated, gated community, <laughs> uh, you know, locked door and leaves it in the in the in the. I don't know, just in the in the lobby area, the foyer of, of this of the house. Yeah, and it was funny because when we did the film, Redford was going, "I rented the house." Yeah, and, <laughs> and put a big dent in the floor, and it put a dent in the floor. <laughs> so I had to pay for that as well. And and then I don't know. And then I don't. He said something about then he gave it to an artist or donated it to an artist, and and somebody made a sculpture out of it. Yeah. Is that right? That sounds yeah. right. Yeah, somebody made a sculpture but, you know, out of it. A complete Porsche only weighs about 17, 1800 pounds. That was a and, shitty floor. Yes, <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> That's why he rented the house. He must didn't have been one it. of those catch a contractor guys that <laughs> did the floor. Well, Newman uh, 
uh, Redford was kind of funny because he said, and then I gave it to a sculptress, he said. And then he goes, she wasn't particularly good. Yeah. And I had her make something out of it and then maybe back to Newman's yard again. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't recall. Yeah, it, I guess it traded hands a few times between them as – some sort of <laughs> gag, but so uh, what do you? I, I I noticed you brought something kind of interesting out here. It's got a kind of a speedster. I don't know, nine eleven SC made into a speedster. I it's I don't a know seventy three. Oh, it's, it's a seventy three nine eleven Targa that I made into my own speedster. It's got a three six with a G fifty eighty eight suspension, nine nine three climate control, heating and air conditioning. 74 sports seats that I chopped the headrest down. <laughs> it's, it was a, I say 15 years, but my wife is rolling over in bed right now saying it was more like 20, George. And it took me five years to figure out what color to paint it. But typical Porsche guy, I, I could never leave it alone. It started out with a three liter, then it went to a three two, then it went to a three six. And I had, Standard air conditioning, and I thought I want climate control, and so it just it is it, it car ended. is it carbureted? No, oh, so it's injected. It's all injected. So it's uh, they, you know, it'll pass smog. Oh yeah, not not I don't Does know it if it need needs to, to. It's a right? But uh, yeah. but so it's kind of crate engine, yeah. so to so to speak. Right. Wow, and uh, usable, drivable everywhere. I, everywhere. I've got probably seven thousand miles on it now. Uh, I took it to Monterey last year to the uh, Concours on the Avenue and uh, finished second place. The trophy that I got probably cost less than the gas it took me to take it down <laughs> sure. there. But Yeah. Um, you going up to uh, Monterey this year? Every year since 74. Do you have uh, – when did you stop driving there? Uh, I raced – with a Sebring car in uh, 2015. Which Sebring car? It was, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, GT Fiberglass from Minneapolis. He finished, uh, I think it was second in the Porsche class at Sebring. And uh, Bruce Kanepa describes the car as a gas station built race car. <laughs> and the reason he won is because he kept running <laughs> and everybody else broke. Mm-hmm. And I got the car in, in uh, the end of May, no engine, no transmission, and it was bright yellow as though you dipped it. What's the body on 72, it? 72, 9-11, oh. made into look like uh, an, an RSR. Is uh, what else do you have in your collection? Uh, well, I have a '72 ST that I'm a tribute car that I'm building. The Speedster. What's an ST? Uh, Seventy seventy one, fat tired, two point five liter race car that Porsche made. You know, all lightweight. Mm. It was the next car after the R. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're. They're really a fun car because they're still the old twitchy, lot of horsepower, swap ins real quick type car. Mm-hmm. But they're fun. Does uh, you have a shop? Are you doing it from home? I, I kind of left the shop. I got tired of babysitting mechanics that worked for me, so I just said, "Hey, I'm going to just go home and do it myself." 
So my wife and I bought a 50-acre ranch just outside of Sacramento, and I have a 3,500-square-foot barn with three lifts in it, and it's possums and raccoons and bats (laughs) and everything live there, but we we all get along. And I've just been buying and selling cars for the last 25 years as my main source of income. I don't, I don't want to work on other people's cars anymore. Was that your profession? I mean, if, we, if you said what would your trade be or what would you, if you're filling out an application and they went occupation, what would you have written 30 years ago? Doofus. <laughs> Never. I, well, Porsche. Not, not, a, not an electrician or an accountant. No, but I took a test in Sacramento to be a water treatment specialist, and there was 2,300 people signed up for the test, and I finished fourth. And when I went in for the interview, the guy says, well, what, what college did you go to? And I said, I didn't. Well, you have to have a college degree in order to get this job. How'd you pass the test? I says I answered the questions. Yeah, <laughs> and so they didn't hire me for that, but they hired me for another job in the water treatment plant. And then I installed cultured marble. Mm. I owned a motorcycle shop from '69 to '72. I raced Class A speedway bikes. I raced with Harvey Mushman, aka Steve McQueen. Oh, right. Yeah, we raced at Wilseyville. Speedway, mm. the dirt track with uh, no brake. Oh, Nothing. Well, well, Speedway was no brakes, right? Nothing. Zero. Um, that, that was an English sport, was it not? Is yes. that where it started? The bike that I was riding, I bought from Al Lauer. Al Lauer had California dealer license number one he, way, way, way back. Were those like BSAs? No. It's a JAP. The um, – I don't think we're allowed to say that. No, it's, <laughs> well, it's Jefferson Anderson oh, okay. Prescott. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I thought we were talking about a Kawasaki. No, yeah, no. The, the, um, <laughs> the who was it? Bruce Penhall was that the guy yep. who was the yep. big chips? Yes, yes. You got a little Bruce Penhall in you, Matt. Do I? How you, you yeah, don't know was, who Bruce Penhall? No, he was this. Heartthrob. Yep. Oh yeah, I definitely got that. Yes. He he, he was he was a, a a guy raced flat track or speedway. 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 Flat track was kind of cool. Yeah. Speedway, but he was a he was a tiger beat guy. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Chris just googled him. This guy doesn't have a shirt on in any photo. Of he was a champion motorcycle racer. Yeah. Who was a little cute, kind of you know like surfer dude david cassidy or something yeah, okay. or scott bayo yeah, you yeah. know but he was he wasn't in a sitcom he was a motorcycle guy yeah. but he was so it be blue eyes and he was so california cute that they put him on chips because he knew how to ride the bike yeah yeah and i have no idea you know i have no idea what he's up to now but it was a He's 400 pounds probably right now. <laughs> Got a little mat, you know. They're both cute motorsport guys. Yeah, the bike I rode was a 1939 Rotrax. Really? Yeah. And, and again, it was like no brakes, no nothing, just pitch them sideways. At 39, did you even have brakes? Like, it wasn't even an option. Well, you didn't want to have brakes because if you had brakes, you could stop faster than somebody else, and then there'd be a collision. But there were so many collisions anyway, it didn't matter. Yeah, I guess it didn't matter. But, yeah, it was a- there's the clutch. You pull it in, and it you're you can hold the clutch for about fifteen or sixteen seconds, and then it overheats, 
mm-hmm. then the rear wheel starts going anyway. Right. And you go up to the start line and you lean the car, the bike over to the side so that the rear wheel is spinning and you oh, get the right. clutch out. Right. And then as soon as they're everybody's staged, you grab the clutch, push the bike over, and then you wait for the the ribbons to go up in front of you and then it's just it's hang on for dear life because they're like 50 horsepower and maybe 210, 215 pounds. And I had never ridden the bike until I got into that first turn, and then it was like, (gasps) and I let off the throttle, (laughs) and the wheel is spinning at 100 miles an hour, and you're doing 30. And then when you let off the throttle, as the bike's slowing down, the wheel's still going faster, so it launches you forward again. And it raises the bike up like you're doing a wheelie in the middle of the turn. Yeah. And uh, so we raced that in four laps. Four laps of that Class A racing was more tiring and exhausting than a 30-minute motocross. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, Bruce was champion, Chris, from, you know, 1978 to Oh, yeah, when World Speedway champion... Uh, in eighty one and eighty two, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's later than that. Yeah, you're you're right. And then, I raced against the Basque brothers. They were back then. They had a welding shop up in Auburn, California. They probably didn't wear shirts either. <laughs> no, yeah. nobody wore shirts back then. <laughs> they, they uh, <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> there they are. Yeah. That looks just like me. And I'll bet you Bruce wasn't a, you know, he wasn't 6'3". He was probably a shorter guy. A lot of those guys who rode those bikes weren't, you couldn't yeah. be a big dude. You were kind of, kind of jockeys yeah. back then, the successful I love guys. this publication, though, Teen back. Stars, with the stars <laughs> he's got floating above him. <laughs> yeah, I hope he may be 400 pounds today. I have no, I have no idea. Pounds. He's doing something with motor. I'll I'm bet seeing... you, I'll bet you went to Europe and did something. Porn. Mm. <laughs> That's probably what it yeah. is. But he was kind of the motorcycle version of the the F one, uh, yeah, guy, the hunky the, guy, the hunk, the, the, the yeah. Well, you'll think Hunt. Hunt, yeah, James, yeah. James, James Hunt. Hunt. Right. What, uh, what's he doing now? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm saying he's five seven. Five, five seven. seven. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's a, yeah. You're taller than him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe. All right. I'm saying <laughs> maybe you're, barely. The, you're the same dude. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy sport. They they had it at um, Orange County. They had a track in Orange County, OCIR, whatever yeah. International Raceway or something. Maybe that was the quarter mile. And then they had. Oh, uh, I will think of that. Uh, Ascot. 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 I was thinking Agazarian or whatever. So they would promote it or whatever. Agajarian. But Agazarian. But yeah. Ascot was the the motorway. Was the dirt track? I guess it was a quarter mile well they had all different sizes all different sizes speedway i i can't remember when i rode speedway it was inside of a horse arena yeah with decomposed granite oh man and it's not a circle it's you end up racing an oval yeah because you're you're always sideways and you're always on the gas yeah and, i don't know you can see if you can find one of those ascot commercials from the 79 or 80 if they put any of those things i went to ascot one time got my doors blown off and never went back (laughs) yeah but you 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 jumped on a bike for the first time and you went racing you went to laguna seca for the first time and finished third like you must have had some 
skill behind the wheel or on a bike or I, I think that my reflexes were the same speed as my brain <laughs> and they were very very good now my reflexes are still that good but my brain is going I'd rather be at home having a glass of wine. <laughs> I could get hurt doing this. Bruce, uh, if you want a glimpse into your future, Matt, Bruce Penhall is a VP and GM at Connor Concrete Cutting and Coring in Norco. So he's got right. himself a wet saw with a diamond blade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he'll do coring Wait, how, as well. how many C's was that? Was that CCC? Uh, Connor Concrete <laughs> Cutting and Coring. They should be in Corona, yes. but they're in <laughs> <Yeah>. Norco. <Yeah. laughs> okay. The horse capital of the world. All right. Well, uh, George, this has been uh, a fun and interesting conversation. It, you know, oftentimes we throw a plug out for the guests, but uh, I don't think you got a book coming out anytime soon or a doc or my a wife website. Wants me, my wife would like me to write a book because the, the stories that people say and that I talk about and what I did – it's. Uh, I think it's book worthy. I'd rather go drive. <laughs> yeah, I, I would well, too. But you the, write a book the way Adam does. You just say it all out loud and do a recorder, and then have somebody write it down. No, not in a recorder. <laughs> I do it while I'm driving on the phone. Yeah, so not, Mike Lynch, not in a race car. <laughs> well, George, she said you're supposed to pay me if I if and to write me a book and get it into movies. Okay. Yeah. I, well, it, it, an advance is is nice, uh, George. Uh, Good to meet you, my friend. Thank um, you. Springfield tonight. I'm doing a show, Springfield, Missouri. That'll be at the uh, Blue Room Comedy Club. Doing a live pod early and then stand up show late. Maybe a few tickets uh, left. Kyle Dunnigan's going to join us on the uh, live show. And uh, also stand up uh, New York. Uh, sorry, the stand in New York, July 20th. Maybe a few tickets left there. Uh, Shane Gillis is going to join us and Mark Norman's. Lots of good names. Uh, Matt, what do you got? I just give me a follow at Moderator. We'll have some uh, some stuff posted up there for soon for you guys. So until next time, Sam McCroll for George Valerio and Matt the Moderator, DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. 
All this month, stream the funniest films for free on Pluto TV. Watch comedy classics like Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and Mean Girls. Or drop in for a Tyler Perry marathon with a Medea family funeral and Medea's witness protection. Pluto TV also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows like Get Shorty, Be Cool, Key and Peel, Comedy and Color, and more. And no contracts, no subscriptions, no fees, no joke. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.